Welcome to the Inclusive Education Project. I'm Vicki Brett. I'm Amanda Salohi. We're two civil rights lawyers on a mission to change the conversation about education, civil rights, and modern activism. Each week, we're going to explore new topics which are going to educate and empower others and give them a platform to enact change in education and level the playing field. That, Hi, everyone. That, Welcome back. That was you starting. I said that, well, how am I going to have you start? What? Have you start. You start with a hello. <laughs> I was like pointing at you. I was like, ah. Oh, you know, this not being in person thing, just our intros are, All sorry, guys. Sorry, listen. What a year it has been. It's insane to me that Logan is turning one. That's right. Um, pretty soon. Yeah. And I, it's wild. Yeah. And that comes with it, you know, the, are you having a birthday party? Are you doing this? Are you doing that? One of my friends, her daughter turned one in July and she just decided to do a little family trip, just the three of them, which I thought was a a good idea. You know, it's, it wouldn't be what she wanted it to be anyway, you know, with her family who's from out of state and things like that. So I thought that was a really good option. Yeah. I mean, by his first birthday, he's been on so many flights. Like I thought about doing like a trip, Mm. but I mean, we've done a couple. So, you know, I did want to celebrate. I mean, it's so weird to me because I was pregnant pretty much the entire pandemic. I mean, I only had like two months before things shut down, being pregnant, being in the real world. And then we've had his first year basically almost all shut down. I mean, things have opened up more, obviously, over the summer and things have gotten better. But so, I mean, I see it as it's not just a way to celebrate his, like, year, but us, like... Mm, Of course, yeah. ...that we made it a year. Like, I think I need a little celebration that, Mm -hmm. like, I was working from home with him Mm -hmm. all year. And Mm -hmm. I think... We all could use a little celebration after this last year, right? Oh, yeah. No, definitely. I mean, that's how I felt. And Blair's first year was not in the pandemic. I was like, this is more for me than for anyone. <laughs> and, I mean, is it in any way? Yeah. Like, well, everyone I mean, always it, says, like, oh, the really first is. birthday, the kid doesn't remember us. It's more for you. And I mean, I'm okay with I'm that. Okay, yeah. I'm okay think, with it being Totally. I think that is a perfect kind of transition for our guest today, um, Danielle Bettman, who is in the business of family business planning, right? And like how we're able to deal with this whole transition into motherhood, what that is in of itself, and how are we going to maintain our sanity? How are we going to maintain our mental health? This past year has seen such a hit to the industry of all professionals of women exiting because they felt that they needed to be at home. And so we're really excited to have Danielle on. Thank you, Danielle, for coming onto our podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. So Danielle, tell us a little bit about yourself and why this area of motherhood, and you also have a podcast, uh, Failing Motherhood, what kind of drove you to or inspired you to get into this line of work? Yeah, so I went to school to be a preschool teacher or elementary school teacher because I just loved kids and I thought it would be a great way to have a lot of options outside of or after college. And I went to University of Nebraska where they really combined birth through third grade, like everything in between. And so I started teaching at a school right out of school. That was a Head Start Early Head Start program. 
loved it and just realized how much of what is wiring these kids happens outside the school doors and it really happens at home and the parents are the most important critical component and when they are on board then you know the outcomes for kids just skyrocket mm -hmm. so i had the opportunity to be a part of a new partnership that the school had with save the children to do um, home visiting so oh. i did that for the next four years nice. uh, for a program called early steps to school success and it was such a blessing. It was so rewarding because the families were really curious. They welcomed me into their home like a new member of their family. And I got to spend an hour every single week, you know, playing with the kids, but also really connecting with the parents and bringing them books to read and for, with their kids, connect them with resources, and just be able to talk about their kids and how they're doing and answer their questions. And so when I had my two girls back to back then, they're 15 months apart, which I don't recommend, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, bowing down to you, my goodness. Yeah, I, it, it was a blur. The second one was the C-section. It was not ideal. But after I had them back and I ended up taking, you know, taking some time off uh, working part time and just kind yeah. of figuring things out. And then I had that midlife crisis of what do I want to be when I grow up again? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I really just wanted to work with families, you know, where it's ground zero. And especially in the early childhood years mm -hmm. when, you know, all of that development is just like laying the, laying the groundwork, installing their subconscious, all of that stuff is getting wired up. I really wanted to be there and be able to help where families need it most because parenting is just the hardest job in the world. It just Absolutely. is. And every kid is so different. Every situation is so different. I just wanted to be able to be a voice of reason and, you know, help parents feel validated and acknowledge their pain and be able to be a resource. So I started my own business called Wholeheartedly, which is just one-on-one -on -one parent coaching specifically for families with kids age one to seven um, that have a strong-willed kiddo <laughs> behavior or that there's the traditional tools of rewards and punishments just aren't doing anything and they're at their wit's end patience wise. So that's where I come in and we work one on one for four months to really just lay a new foundation uh, over all of like the family's culture and getting on the same page and extending their patience and finding new positive discipline tools that are you know more positive, more gentle. Mm -hmm. um, and that's what the family's looking for and just really feel like they can boost their confidence that they know at least a little bit of what they're doing and feel like they can be proud of their parenting for a little while because it's such a hard thing. We feel like we're failing most of the time and that's where my podcast came from. <laughs> and social media doesn't make it any easier because really it, it's you get so many people saying, you need to do this and you need to do that. And it's like, I was talking to a friend who's got a, a son the same age yesterday, just about like how, how like all the things that they say you're supposed to do in a day how do you get it all in when you're also like, we've been transitioning to solid food the last couple months. And they're like, doctor's like, yeah, you should do three meals and two snacks and then three bottles. And I'm like, how in the world do I fit this all into one day? It's not possible. Like, <laughs> I can't. and then to think about like playtime and everything else and reading books. And it's the next thing you know, you have all these Instagram accounts that are telling you. To do, and then if you add it all up, you're like, there's not 40 hours in a day, but, but okay. Yeah, it all sounds very unattainable. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think what's interesting, the overlap that, that we had seen when we had connected professionally, right, through a, mm -hmm. a networking group was that 
a lot of the techniques and gentle parenting. I think people just don't even understand that in and of itself. It's just like, oh no, like, well, I got smacked on the bottom and like I turned out fine. And it was like, it's more of a whole kind of perspective of the child and, and really wanting to get curious. And I think for a lot of the families that we connect with, you know, they open up their lives to us. And yes, we are able to get in and see what's happening at school. And, but we also sometimes introduce all the private things therapies and therapists that the child has that the district may not necessarily know about or that they're not super engaged with and and try to get everybody it you know it takes a village and you know it all interconnects and you know there's been recent um, cases in in different states that that we can use here where you know if behaviors are happening outside of the school the district has an obligation to address those for so long and even prior to that case you know, districts couldn't do this, but they'd always be like, well, just get them to school and we'll provide the services and it'll be fine. And it's like that the problem is they don't, they're not going to school. So how are you going to help? Right. And now, you know, the obligation has been solidified. And I think, you know, where you come in and really get the parents to not feel so overwhelmed is similar to what we do as well. What is it that, um, so you had obviously said that, you know, parents oftentimes come to you when they may have a strong-willed child or what they're doing they feel isn't working. Is that pretty much the main kind of complaint, if you will, that parents come to you or that's just a variety of reasons? Yeah, it really is just them identifying that they want to do as, be- as well as they can in this parenting arena and mm-hmm. feel like they are coming up short, that they know with more tools they could do better or with more patience, you know, there's more capacity to be able to provide for their child and they know that they hate the person that they're being because, mm-hmm. you know, it's just not there. And mm-hmm. they also have a partner that is on board with growing in this area. It's kind of like, you know, signing up for some sort of self-development. It's, you know, like identifying that we're a little bit at rock bottom here and we've tried everything that we know of and that's Mm -hmm. not working. So Mm -hmm. clearly it's time to seek out an expert. And that is a really hard place to get to as a family because you are in survival mode. You don't even know what resources are out there. And to be able to have the forethought or the intentional conversations that say, hey, this is not where we want to be and we're on a track to somewhere that we don't want to be down the road and be able to kind of like hit pause and zoom out and really be intentional and then be able to trust and reach out to a stranger and ask for help with parenting has its whole stigma of its own because we think we should just know how to do this and figure this out and it should come naturally and we're, you know, for the experts of our kids and we clearly should be able to figure this out and that's just not true. We didn't come to this full level of like enlightenment, mastering all emotional intelligence and being able to truly know where the line of kind and firm boundaries is and exactly what to say to get your toddler's shoes on, get out the door. (laughs) We did not come with a full package deal uh, through pregnancy. So being able to be at that place is really where I find my clients and they're just saying, I want 
to have more patience. I want to figure out more ways to get cooperation in a way that doesn't make me feel like I hate who I become or I use these desperation tools that just don't even feel good and they don't work anyway. And I want to do that with, you know, a, a team effort, United Front as a parenting, you know, partners so that we can really do this together and have a foundation where we don't feel like we have to keep reading parenting books after this. We just feel like we have the perspective and like the practical application implementation part of it that is so hard to come by with that accountability and support built in that makes that happen. So it really is kind of like identifying, I need to lose some weight. Do I take a diet pill or do I Mm -hmm. like hire a personal trainer or go on like, you know, some sort of like a nutritional accountability program. That's like that for parenting. (laughs) Yeah, well, and I think having both parents on the same page is really important, which I've definitely found in the last year. So uh, we get the benefit of like having so many amazing guests on our podcast that have taught us so many different things. And I'm, and I'm constantly thinking about the things that we've been taught about, you know, the, the language that we use and even like stuff that we t- recommend in like IEPs of like trying to use positive reinforcement, not saying no, don't do this, but hey, why don't you do that, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm constantly thinking about that, even though, you know, Logan's still really young, I mm-hmm. think about that all the time and the things that I've been taught through our amazing guests. But my husband hasn't been there. Like, he hasn't been in this podcast studio with us every right. time. Right. And so I'm constantly, like, trying to have that balance of, hey, this is something I learned, but not be like, oh, I'm going to tell you what to do because I'm the expert. Because I'm not the expert. I'm just someone right. who's learned a thing or two, right? And <laughs> I always I reminded myself the other day that I, I do have a, a degree in child development. So sometimes when I do tell him things that I know, he's always like, well, where did you read that? And I, I find myself trying to be like, oh, well, I'll find a resource. And I'm like, no, I, I actually did learn this. Like I have some <laughs> level of expertise. But I do find that getting him on the same page with some of the stuff, some of the language, and especially like as our son gets older, wanting to teach the emotional intelligence and like, it's okay to have emotions. When he grew up, my husband grew up to the mentality of like, boys don't cry, suck Mm. it up, like that kind of thing. It's like, how do we match the two together? So I think, yes, is amazing. I think so many families have that where you might have two different perspectives and um, getting that to mesh is important. 100%. Yeah. So many families are at that place of trying to reconcile and compare and contrast their upbringing and be able to pull things that they appreciated and also do differently than they, you know, maybe they were parented and then try to make sense of what is actually going to work for the kid that's in front of us and what feels right for the dynamic of our family. And it's so hard to do that because there is that imbalance of education where the, you know, one parent is hearing more mm-hmm. and has more exposure to the info. The other parent is not, not that they're not interested, but they're just not having it in their day-to-day life. So then it becomes either a sense of nagging mm. or it becomes, you know, just arguing back and forth about what's the best way to do it because both parents want what's best for the kiddo. Totally. Like that's not the question, yeah. but the question is based on the way that I see the world, what makes the most sense to to get to this end goal of success. And then that's where you differ and you should embrace that differences because if you're having a conversation about what's the best way to do it, then it shows how much you both care. And you just need to be able to both feel like you're making the most educated decision with, you know, 
actual like you know research or, or science behind it that makes you think that this is the way we're going to handle this moving forward. Yeah. Well, and now that I've made this into my own personal therapy session, <laughs> you know, to go away from that. So, can you give our listeners? I guess I mean, so that was a, an amazing suggestion. Like, so any more like practical tips for families who are just realizing, oh, maybe we need to work on this. Maybe we need to do seek help. What are some things they can kind of start with? Yeah, I think it really is kind of having like a state of the union because you just don't have mm-hmm. these conversations unless you carve out the time because urgency will always trump good intentions. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> when you have young kids out. <laughs> yeah, home. in the moment for sure. Yes. So it doesn't like the intentions are always there. That's not the problem. It's how are you actually going to be able to take what you are hearing and make sure that it gets across the team and that you both feel like, you know, you know how things are going, where the problem areas are and be able to know how to move forward. So having a date night type conversation where you ask out, you know, some of those curious questions of how do you feel like this is going? Mm. What have we tried that has worked? What hasn't worked? Are you feeling like, you know, we have some good communication back and forth? Uh, Where do you feel like we need to work on? Is there any you know, resources that we should be looking for that could help us in that area and be able to just kind of like touch base on um, each of the areas of life that, you know, are kind of in flux right now because things evolve so quickly in those years of having young kids where not only does your living room, you know, filter through a baby swing and a playpen and then like a giant house thing contraption and you're just constantly like changing things up. That's how it feels too with your approaches of like all of a sudden they're yelling and screaming and this is new and what do we do with this? (laughs) You know, And so uh, being able to have some of those conversations is definitely going to help. And then through that, if you're able to identify, hey, we don't really know what we're doing in this area. What do we do with this? Um, then being able to maybe do some research and connect with at least either, you know, some free resources or start to talk about reaching out to an expert. Insofar as being able to have that like team approach, when you are providing your services Is it something where both parents have to be present or can one parent get the information or like you're meeting with one one time then the other? Because I know that that's something that is at the forefront of a lot of our clients' minds. They, you know, most of the time the parent and I'll just say the mother in this situation is going to the doctor's appointments, going to the therapy appointments, you know, and the spouse is going to work and then coming home. And I know that, you know, scheduling or having the family on a sort of schedule kind of helps out parcel out that time that the spouse that's been at work all day can put the kiddos to bed or you know stuff always happens right like the kids aren't going to misbehave just during the day with one spouse like it happens all the time is it something you know the team approach that you suggest you know try to get the information in whatever way possible or it really does take that concerted effort of both being present with someone like yourself yeah Great question. I do have one or two moms that have chose to do coaching just one-on-one, me and them. And because either their spouse wasn't interested in doing it together or they genuinely just felt like it was something that they wanted to do for themselves. And I completely support that decision. For the most part, most families will sign up and then identify a time in their calendar that they're both able to participate each time. Whether that is, I have families that zoom in, one from home, one from work, over the lunch hour, yeah, and you know yeah. we were able to meet up that way. 
or I have a lot of evening availability as well so that you can put the kids to bed and then pop on the um, computer off the couch and be able to talk at 8 p.m. Mm -hmm. And that allows both parents to be able to talk back and forth because I do feel like, like we can record a session and then have one of the parents, you know, catch the replay if needed. Yeah. But when the information is in real time, then, mm -hmm. you know, both parents are able to process things, ask the questions mm -hmm. that, that they're skeptical with and be able to really let it sink in in a way that gets them to hash things out and feel a lot more aligned on the other side. Well, it sounds like it's a great environment to feel like safe to open up to talk about those things because it's having someone there to kind of guide you through those mm -hmm. conversations mm -hmm. because I know I've had conversations with my husband and where it's like, oh, okay, I feel this way, you feel this way, where do we go from there? Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, so I think that's, mm -hmm. that's very helpful. Yeah, most of what I do is is really allowing that safe place to vent, yeah. to feel acknowledged, to, you know, validate the, where you're coming from. And because I'm a parent myself, you know, I'll be like, yeah, this sucks. Yeah. <laughs> That's really, yeah. really hard. You're doing great, even though it feels like, a, you know, only a tiny bit of progress and there's all these other things that still aren't working yet. And, you know, just being able to know that you have someone on your team who gets it and who has really heard and knows your family to a pretty deep level, you know, after going through a whole, you know, assessment process where I ask about every single area of life and what all is going on with you and your ability to parent and your child and all like rating all your stress levels and just feeling like you have everything on the table then really allows parents to accelerate their progress moving forward because they just have a person now and that person is able to give really individualized feedback based on what happened at dinner last night, you know, without feeling like you have to start from scratch or just read a book and hope that some generalized information applies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Generalized information is out there. There's so much of it. So much. But it's hard, especially like when you're in the moment to be like, okay, how am I going to apply this here? Like you can get tips and tricks all over the place about how to, you know, for self-care in the moment. But like when you're in the heat of that moment, it's not as easy to just be like, okay, let me pull from this. No. Some of it does take practice too. Yeah. So it really is trying to strengthen a muscle that you didn't have before. <laughs> totally. And I think also acknowledging that a lot of parenthood is a lot of your own frustrations and how to manage that. And so that's why I, you know, when you talk about not necessarily just self-care, but just your mental health and, and literally keeping your sanity it mm -hmm. is kind of, you know, checking in with yourself and just being like, why is this so frustrating to me? And it's like, oh, well, I, we're going to be late. And that's why, you know, I think a lot of times parents want compliance without the fuss, which I mean, obviously all of us do, but we don't get that from adults. So why are we expecting it from a two-year-old, you know, like, and I think that is something, you know, that I, it, parenthood has definitely shown me and, and, you know, I think I was a pretty good advocate before, but I think being a parent just takes it to a different level. You know, I think Amanda and I were very effective in what we did prior to becoming parents, but I think that there's an extra layer that we're able to identify in people like with the work that you do and why we wanted to have you on because there is help out there. You know, you can most definitely do it on your own and, you know, it's just sometimes a lot harder, but I think that, you know, women especially need 
to put a value on their time. So if there's somebody out there that can help guide you so that you're not overwhelmed and so that you can have like four months, that's awesome. You know, you really get to know the family and just kind of similar to the work that you did early on in your career, right? Going into the homes, kind of seeing what the families are and, and how that helps the child in all other areas of their life. So we're just thrilled to have you on because I think it's an important topic (laughs) that, you know, may be taboo or or people don't understand and why we wanted you to come on because you're very approachable and it sounds like the techniques that you're able to share with the families are not only research-based and evidence-based, but actually work in your own experience and in the experience and in the lives of the families that you've helped. Yeah, and it's helpful that you have kind of different modalities from, you know, the actual work we do directly with families to your podcast to, I know on your website you have a little guide that parents can download even, which is nice because, like, you know, everybody learns in different ways, you know, Mm -hmm. from a hands-on approach to listening Mm -hmm. to Mm -hmm. reading. So I like that you have kind of in them all modalities like we we talk about. It's the best way to learn, right? Yeah, yeah. I have a free hour masterclass as well that's available to to watch and download too for, for family staff a first step. Awesome. Well, we'll include all that on our um, in our show notes, the link to your podcast, link to your website. So hopefully everybody checks it out. Go hit subscribe to her podcast as well. It's wonderful. And thank you so much for being here. Yeah, absolutely. This is so much fun. Yay. Yeah. Thanks, Danielle. We'll talk to you guys next week. Bye. Bye. 